DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular or hosting subscription. Visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How we doing? Good. You were jealous, weren't you? You were watching those offenses go up and down the field. Why couldn't I have one more year of eligibility? Everybody. A touchdown pass for you, a touchdown pass for you. Everybody gets a touchdown pass. It was a basketball game out there. Yeah, it really was. When you look at this offense, they had the breakthrough game, obviously, but you know, it's been fairly consistent this year. Uh, how much do you credit uh, somebody like Aaron Roderick? And I believe you played for him. He wasn't necessarily the coordinator then, but you still know about him and in terms of his impact on this offense. Uh, I think if, if you look at the overall stride that has been made in the last year and a half, two years, where you saw an uptick in the amount of points that BYU was able to put up, you saw uh, a more consistent level of I guess just, you know, offensive strength coming from BYU. Um, I, I would give a lot of that credit to, to A-Rod. Um, the guy is, he's an unbelievable coordinator. He's extremely brilliant in, in the football sense and, um, you know, was, has really just been a game changer for, for BYU and, and even more specifically, he's been a game changer for Kalani. Why is it hard to get some players into their right position? Someone as good as Tyler Algier, uh, how come there's no hype and he's not the running back the day he steps on campus? That's honestly, it's it's a really, really good question. I think there's a a mix of pride between coaches and pride between players, right? In, In what you're willing to play and what you're willing to be. I think if you look at what a lot of guys, I mean, you see it mainly in the quarterback position, right, where guys aren't willing to make that type of change um, and they're not willing to be that type of player. And then, you know, then you look at what development is like. Tyler was not the size he was um, and didn't, you know, hadn't really grown into his body his freshman year at BYU when he walked on, right? And so uh, when you look at a few of those different aspects, you kind of start to see, okay, you know, what do these guys play? What position do they play? Where do they best fit? And sometimes it takes a few years to genuinely be able to see exactly uh, where they're the most optimal. And luckily, Tyler grew up and is, is optimal on both sides of the ball, which is a special feature to have. Yeah, and it's been an incredible success story, and <clears throat> looks like it's going to continue on into the NFL. How about the other side? How many times have you seen guys that were good enough, but for whatever reason, exclude injury because that that can be mm-hmm. something that's beyond your control. But things that you can control, as far as basically not having enough heart or determination or whatever you want to phrase it, and basically waste their talent. Uh, uh every. Every day, all day, that's probably – you talk to a lot of guys and you are a part of a lot of different programs. 
you see that more often than not. Um, there's a reason that people are on scholarship or have been given the capability to play at the highest level, uh, but then aren't able to capitalize. And a lot of that is due to their drive, their work ethic, what goes on off the field and their, their amount of focus. Um, because there are a lot of guys out there that are extremely, extremely talented. Probably some of the most talented players I've ever been around uh, that are now not playing football simply because they just didn't didn't add up the uh, amount of success that they could have. Is this right now the reason everyone should embrace the Big 12 and wish it would get here even faster. BYU's having a good season. It's really intriguing. But now it's guaranteed win, by week guaranteed win, probable win to finish the year. I, I don't know. I, I, don't think, I don't think it's, hey, let's get it here today. I think the amount of time left in the independent scheduling system, right, um, leaves a lot of time for more growth and a lot of time for games that may not be played ever again, right? And so to me, I think that's huge. I think that's exciting and fun, and it kind of leaves you that opportunity to, to play those types of games on a regular basis. Um, I think the anticipation is also good, right, to continue to build that and not have it just be a one-step, hey, here we all are. Yeah, I agree with that, actually, because you could be playing Kansas this week and expect to beat them by 35. And to me, I think for basketball, I just assume they get out of the West Coast Conference or play Gonzaga 12 times and Uh get on with it and get to where they're going to play these better teams because I think the program is ready and... I would love to see it start now. I got to go through two seasons of the West Coast Conference that I'm not looking forward mm-hmm. to. But at the same time, football wise, I think it's important in many aspects for the team to the program to prepare itself to where it needs to be. And it has, right. I think, the two year lead in gives them plenty of time to get to where they need to be. They could probably be competitive this year, although they weren't all that competitive against Baylor, and Baylor may end up being certainly one of the better, if not the best team, we'll find out. But I like the fact that they got a couple years in football because I think there's some work that they need to do to get better, and the fact with the missions and all, basically every kid that you're Mm -hmm. recruiting now who goes on a mission is a Big 12 recruit. Right, right. And I think that, that comparison is the best comparison you make just because of the amount of guys that are expected to be on the field, right? <laughs> With the basketball team, you only have 15 guys that you need to have ready. And right now, you can make that switch in a year. If you look at what Pope has done in the last two years with the basketball team, he's completely flipped the program in terms of talent upside down. So they're ready, exactly like you're saying. Whereas the football cycle is much, much different, and there's a lot more uh, time, right? There's a lot more runway for coaches to build a program in a football environment due to the amount of people, right, the amount of scholarships, the amount of guys, the amount of resources that you need to get aligned, and that all takes, you know, that's why you have guys who get three to four to five years, especially in a group of five, and maybe not in the SEC, but a group of five, they're getting that type of runway to build out. 
Which position group needs the runway the most for BYU? Uh, defensive back. Yeah. 100%. Um, I think the depth of this position is not in a place that is going to achieve, right, the most. <laughs> like, how are they going to be able to keep up athletically with Big 12 receivers and Big 12 skill talent in terms of depth? Right, the first deep, even a couple of the extra guys, but when you know, you need you need three levels of talent to be able to keep up with those uh, with those athletes. Yeah, I would agree with that, uh, and I think they've gotten better at that, uh, but it's still a process. I'm interested to see in how they go as far as recruiting because we know where recruiting is strong for BYU, the state of Utah, Arizona, California, you know, Idaho, Nevada. But uh, where is it going to go once they get in? My thought is that the first thing I do, if uh, maybe Klein's already done it, is put as much emphasis and as much financial resource into Texas as possible. Yep. You think that's the way? Uh, 100%. I, I think if you if you hang out in the panhandle, right, uh, and you make Texas and, and you make Florida a, a key place for recruiting, and the one resource that you're going to need to do that is you're going to need a coach that is experienced in that area. So either bringing on another coach or a you guys that are a part of the Big 12 staffs right now um, that you can say, hey, we're going to put money not necessarily in your, right, it's a college football coach key, but, you know, we're not putting a ton of money into your ability to coach football. We're putting our money into your ability to recruit. Um, and, you know, I think that you, you've got to be able especially in this conference, we're not going to be able to hang out in even just California, right? Like, can't hang out in just California, can't hang out in just Texas and Nevada. You need to make your presence known and go have a huge impact in Big 12 territory. Dylan Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. How big is the gap to upgrade talent off what you saw in the Baylor game? I think I don't think talent is is really it. I think it is. It goes to really size um, and and dominance from the box, right? And I think did do we have our best guys on the field today? No, right? Especially when it comes to that box. No, don't get me wrong. Baylor clearly dominated that game. Like, there's no questions asked. Like, that was that was uh, not what we had all seen the last, you know, first six weeks of the, uh, of the season. I think really it's going to come down to the to the size of the box and the athletic ability there to really be able to answer that talent gap uh, for 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 groups like Baylor, right, where you get a lot of farm-fed country boys who are out there and just can physically and naturally dominate the man across from them. 
want to go back to that assistant coach stuff. I think we had, uh, I don't know if we had him on the show, but Norm, I remember Norm Chow saying mm-hmm. basically you just need uh, your coordinators to coach and the other guys recruit. Uh, you've been recruited. You've been coached by assistant coaches, position coaches. Uh, where do you stand on the assistant coach's ability to coach from a technical standpoint as opposed to recruiting? Yeah, I think I think in today's game that my opinion has changed, whereas before I was very heavily set on you need to be a technical head coach along with the ability to recruit. Um, as we see the amount of really, you know, time that's spent on individual trainers, right, the time that's spent on outside resources for individual players, I think the recruiting has now become far more important uh, from the assistants. And, you know, that technical prowess can kind of be solved outside of the locker room or even within, you know, the, the offensive coordinators. My big thing is that if you look at, for instance, uh, I forget the, the coach's name, but Alabama's, I think, running backs coach. Right, Alabama's running backs coach. He's got like four or five guys in his room, but he's making almost you know six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars a year as an assistant coach, assistant position coach, because he's the number one recruiter in the nation. Right, and so it's obviously a huge priority to have, you know, your recruiting capabilities and have the assistant, you know, coaching capabilities just kind of be a uh, afterthought. How would your folks react if you or your brother or whoever was in a recruiting situation and the coach you were recruiting was involved in a Halloween monkey biting incident through a significant other? <laughs> That's, uh, uh, we would no longer be recruited by that coach. Um, <laughs> if, if, it was, if it was a position coach especially, uh, you know, I think uh, – if you're getting bit by monkeys on Halloween, uh, it says one thing about you. If you're getting by, bit by your girlfriend's uh, monkey, uh, who was in a previous industry, um, I think you really got things going. So I don't think we'd last long in that conversation. Yeah, and I'm uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, tried, hey, I tried to make it as comfortable as possible. <laughs> Oh, man. All right, well, we'll leave it right there. Dylan, we appreciate the time. We're not going to ask you what's going to happen the next three weeks because I think we all know how it's going to play out. But Thanksgiving weekend at the Coliseum, maybe that'll be interesting. We'll look forward to that. We'll talk to you again, Dylan. Thanks a lot. Yep, talk to you. Bye. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, joins us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We got tickets to see the Utah Jazz and the Sacramento Kings tonight. And we got a couple tickets. We're going to give them away on the other side of this break. 9.30. Stay with us. DJ and PK, get you up to speed on everything you missed. The NFL, the NBA, the Jazz. It's all on the way next with the Jazz tickets on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. 
moves when I break it down, down, down. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a battle against Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, the Cougars finally get a week off from Power 5 opponents as they welcome in Idaho State to Provo. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to give away a couple more tickets to see the Utah Jazz play tonight. They're hosting the Sacramento Kings. Game tips at 7 o'clock. 855-340-ZONE. We're taking caller 12 right now. 855-340-ZONE for the Jazz and Kings tickets. Time for the Slacker Radio Headlines, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 Furnace Tune-Up Special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. Monday Night Football last night, PK. The Chiefs, who've been in the AFC title game three years in a row, two Super Bowls, won one of them. They are 4-4 four and four after squeezing past the Giants with a couple of field goals in the fourth quarter. 20-17. to 17. Not really an inspiring performance there by KC. They're 4-4, four and four, but they got three straight division leaders coming up. It doesn't look good for Kansas City. It don't look good? You're calling it, huh? Packers, Raiders, Cowboys. And then they got a bye week and a bunch of division games. So KC four and four. The so Rams, do they make the playoffs? They could squeeze in. I'd probably pick against it. They could squeeze in. Don't like their chances to win the division. So you're on Don't the fire Andy Reid bandwagon, huh? Nah, not at all. Not firing Andy Reid. <laughs> We're not going to make the playoffs. Playoffs? Come on. The Rams. Going all in for the Super Bowl right now, trading for Von Miller. Sending a second and third round draft pick to Denver for the eight time Pro Bowler. Make it $9.7 million. Broncos going to pay $9 million of it. Broncos figured they were going to lose him at the end of the season anyway, so they'll get a couple of draft picks for him. They're four and four, but they're not all in on going to the playoffs. They're building for the future. Good. Fortunately, we'll get to see them every Sunday. Didn't get to see them last Sunday. Bull crap. Washington and Denver? Was that on? Yes, my friend. That was no. on. <laughs> you sure you didn't watch that? On the uh, No, Green Bay was on. I know I didn't watch it. I think you saw it on the ticket. No. You're going to watch that crap? Yeah. Get out of town. I was watching uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Yeah. That was the game that was on. The Bronco game wasn't on. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I was watching. I wasn't going to watch that crap. That's what I just said. The Broncos were not on that last week. Channel 2 didn't carry him. Neither did 13. I didn't watch him. That's why I said I wasn't going to watch it. You're wrong. You're changing the topic. (laughs) Nice try. You defending Channel 2 at all costs. (laughs) Jazz and Kings tonight. Got any tension in this one? Any doubt in this? Jazz sure. just won in Sacramento? Anything yeah. can happen in the NBA in any given night? So oh, yeah. I can go for 30? As we were talking about earlier, I like the young nucleus that Sacramento has. Uh, I probably think they're going to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they've got some players. You like Fox? Oh, Bar- yeah, yeah. Barnes like isn't Fox. young. 
So he's young not, nucleus. No, no, he's not. No, he's been in the league for a number of years. But this Mitchell kid, uh, the center, Holmes, his player. Yeah, I, I, I like some of their guys. They've gone three and one on the road this year. We'll see what they do with the Jazz. I mean, they're halfway just, decent just to the Mavs. You know? And right. for Sacramento, halfway decent. That's a decent. step forward. Was, That's progress. Yeah. There's no question that it is. So that uh, I, I think they they can be any given game. I don't think they're going to be a, a rollover. In some, some games, they can be a, a pushover for sure. You know, things aren't going well. But it's all, for the Jazz, it's all about just checking off another one. Just do what you do. Check it off. We'll get to Christmas. We'll get to MLK. We'll get to the All-Star break. And you just hit all these milestones. Yeah, right. I mean, that's where we are with this team, right? It's your horse racing analogies. One furlong, two furlongs, yeah, just, three furlongs. Just keep plowing through. Rudy got asked about something. I don't even remember what the question was, but his answer went to, well, yeah, we got to get to the playoffs. That's where we're really going to, you know. Yeah. We've gotta, we got to get better every but day during is, the regular this season. This is November. I know. We still have the entire winter and, and half a spring. And the Jazz to go. are five and one, and they're shooting the three very poorly. Thirty-two and a half percent, bottom half of the league. I think that's, that's a little bit of the competition has not been great. So you don't need step it up. B minus efforts to uh, to play, uh, but you know you just look at there's enough stuff that Quinn Snyder can jump on them because that Chicago game was very frustrating and enough to pull your hair out because they they made enough mistakes and Chicago's a pretty good ball club this year. 6 and, and 1 yeah. best record in the NBA yeah. after a spectacular comeback in Boston. But I still think as I was watching that game preceding the two Utah and BYU football games, the Jazz were making a bunch of mistakes that were like what are you guys doing? So there's still enough to to work on and 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 to get better, and then when you get Gay back, you're going to have to find him, uh, find a way to make sure he blends in. And you know, I don't know exactly what their plans are for him, what they're thinking. Uh, we'll find that out. That's the great thing. But that will be an adjustment period. Like to see him get back as soon as possible, whenever he might be ready. I don't think necessarily that the team needs him right now to win ball games, but you didn't bring him in to be winning ball games in the first week of November anyway. You brought him in for. Uh, opportunities down the line, and so that'll be that'll be a storyline when it comes to pass his return of how the mesh is him with them and them with him. The Bulls that you speak of were down fourteen going to the fourth quarter in Boston and won by fourteen, a twenty-eight point fourth quarter swing. They outscored the Celtics thirty-nine to eleven. Boston is two and five, and Danny Ainge left town just in time. What is wrong with the Celtics? Danny doesn't have to answer that question now. A little bit of a surprise for me. Two and five start. Two that they would be uh, this much. Now they they you know they didn't just lose him. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Walker took off. Mm-hmm. But that seemed like it was even last year was sort of a mishmash of guys, and that they all work well together because I thought there was a level of underachieving, which is probably why they made the changes because they made significant uh, off the court changes. With Stevens moving up and Ainge taking off. Uh, another game of note, another big fourth quarter. Orlando beat Minnesota with a 43-19 fourth quarter. So a couple of outrageous fourth quarters. The 76ers did not have Embiid. But who do they have, PK? Jordan Yang. 31 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. 21 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. 
Sweet. Let him just run things. Great. That's awesome, man. He was a good guy around here. Like watching him come off the bench and, and play and do his thing. So, yeah, I would we, uh, we have, for him. We have to remember to ask, uh, ask Joe Ingles not only about this game, but we have to ask him about the Simmons video because the practice video with the phone in the pocket and he's moving around at half speed in the background there is Niang looking at him completely amazed. Got to see if Joe's talked with George well, about that. Plus, Simmons is an Australian. Yeah. Joe's got multiple links to that story. But man, the look on George is like, I cannot believe I'm seeing this. That's the, so unprofessional, man. I'm, I'm the new guy. I'm not going to say anything, but man, Quinn would have lost it. Well, anybody would have. I mean, yeah. you're, you're getting in the way. The yeah. goal here is to win as many games as you possibly can. And I, and I think that whole situation is a complete and total turnoff for the fan base. And it's basically now, it is unreturnable. There's no coming back for Ben Simmons. Because, you know, I've been in that area, in Philadelphia, into the South Jersey area, which is a suburb, and, you know, they've got the uh, mentality, and it's a cliche, but I think it's true in terms of getting uh, up and going to work every day and all that. I mean, Iverson was beloved by that community. You know, he had uh, all sorts of issues, and, you know, he was born to a 15-year-old, and so he was batting. Uh, He wasn't exactly born on third base here, let's put it that way. Uh, so, uh, but yet nobody doubted, even with the practice, talking about practice rant, nobody doubted his abilities to ball out. And he brought it every night. Yeah. You, you paid your money or you right. set aside your time to watch the game on TV. Right. Paid your cable or satellite bill to watch on TV. Right. And Iverson brought it. So at least the people that I knew or, or still know mm-hmm. in that area were huge fans of his because it's all about whatever you got, give it to me. And Simmons isn't giving you anything, and he's getting paid a ton of money. And That's never going to fly yeah, well. There's yeah. really no town that's going to fly well in, but it's certainly not going to fly well in Philly. Right. But I don't know that it would fly well in Atlanta or Salt Lake or Portland or wherever. Right, but more so there. More so, so I agree Philly. with you on both accounts. And so I don't think that it's a situation that can be repaired. It's the rare unrepairable, or is it irreparable, whatever it is. Disrepairable. I don't think it's that. Probably not. Zion Williamson progressing in his recovery. He's going to be reevaluated in two to three weeks, which means we're a long ways away from seeing the Pelicans on uh, ESPN twice a week. Yeah, and what are they, like one and six? Yeah, they're off to a terrible start. That thing's going nowhere. The story in New Orleans is the Saints. Jameis Winston tore his ACL and his MCL. He's out for the season. They're off to a good start. They beat Tampa Bay. So now it's Simeon and Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill's in concussion protocol, but the Saints thinking they're going to get him back. So we may be seeing more Taysom Hill in New Orleans. And Russell Wilson on his way to being back in Seattle. They took the pin out of his surgically repaired right middle finger. Uh, they are on a bye week. They play the Packers on the 14th. We'll see if he's back for a game with Aaron Rodgers. If not, so. you would think the week after, but hopefully for that one. Enjoy watching that fellow play the game of football. Yep. And Derek Henry out in Derek Henry is out indefinitely. Right foot. They're signing 36-year-old Adrian Peterson. The Titans are 6-2. and two. Now, there are some teams that are 5-2, and two, but they got the best record in the AFC right now. Great games, but he is such a big part of their offense. 
I'm thinking because the offense is so tailored toward him. I don't know if Adrian Peterson is the guy, but somebody ought to be able to move the ball. Because their line's still good. Yeah, because I don't care who you are, the greatest back in the world, you've got to have folks creating some space for you. And they haven't changed. Titans are 6-2. and two. If they can't sustain this pace, then we're looking at the Bills, Ravens, and Raiders all at 5-2. and two. Next up, who's the big dog? Bills, Ravens, Raiders. 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 Bills and Ravens have playoff experience. The Raiders, eh, a little newer to that. So I would go on that. I would rate Bills 1, Raiders, Ravens 2, and then Raiders 3. Yeah, that's how I would also. And maybe somebody else at five and three or four and three or four and four gets it together, but I would think those are the big three right now. With you know, we'll see how the Titans stack up with them going forward. Yeah, but I don't rule them out, even with the Henry loss, which is a blow. College football playoff rankings will be revealed tonight. Then I'm not going to watch them. Just look at them on your phone when everybody posts them on Twitter. Don't need to dedicate an hour as they slowly roll them it's, out. Those things are excruciating. <laughs> they are. I totally agree. <laughs> excruciating made-for-TV shows. The information you want, yeah. but you don't want to wait through 30 or 60 minutes. It's that and the draft lottery. There it is. Yeah. The draft lottery. Just tell me. Did the NCAA tournament reveal basketball tournament? That moves along fast enough. 68 teams. You getting enough info there? It's not drip, drip, drip. Somehow that seems better, yeah. And then it's overwhelming because after they give it to you, you totally forget. <laughs> I, can't, I can't memorize yeah. 68 pieces of information. <laughs> right. And it's more than that because it's matchups and game locations and times and dates. That when I was with the Watchdog and covering the Utes, even the Cougars to a lesser extent, but certainly the Utes in the 90s. That was a big day. That was the biggest day of the year. Oh, really? For me, Yes. Because it, because I was going to, I knew the possibilities, but I didn't know where. And I would. Uh, you needed quotes. You need to write a story. You need yeah. to book airline tickets. Yeah, yeah, everything, you know. And the, you, we the, got all day, and nothing happens. And all of a sudden, it all happens at once. And a lot of times, I was traveling back from Vegas after they won the thing. You know, because it was the day before yeah. uh, Saturday, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it was the adrenaline rush. For me in March was just so dramatic. And now you're over college basketball. I'm reading a college basketball random preseason poll, and you're like, you're so into college hoops. <laughs> you are. I am. You are more than I am. I enjoy it. Fine. I, great. Yeah, to me. But the, the funny thing is, though, even though that was my life at the time, and uh-huh. I have a wooden award vote, and yep. I follow it. Because I respect the wooden thing, so I just don't willy-nilly it. I was always a pro guy because that is my background growing up in the Northeast, where the pro sports are such, and the Knicks yeah. were such a big deal. Even though I was never a Nick fan, I followed them religiously, and can tell you that Dean Meminger was coming off the bench for the Knicks and all that stuff. And John Gianelli was a big man, yeah. and Phil Jackson. I remember Phil Jackson playing, and so I knew all about that stuff. But I was always a, a pro guy. And then I moved to Phoenix, and that's the only pro team they have. So the I Suns were it. it. In, those, in those days, the Suns were it. It was the Suns and ASU. That's what you got. But I was not an ASU guy whatsoever. Certainly, really, have never been an ASU basketball guy uh, because the pro game for me, 
even to this day. Uh, and but the it, it, the program took a little bit of a backseat in March for me because it was my job. Now it's not my job day to day, but I still follow them all. I mean, I got the one of the reasons why I got the Pac-12 Network wasn't so much for the football; it was more so for the basketball. Sports Illustrated has Gonzaga number one, BYU opponent. Texas number two with Utah transfer hey, Timmy a Allen. Dixie opponent too. That's a true story. Next week, Gonzaga. Mark Few will not be coaching that game because of his DUI suspension. What? You mean what? Gonzaga Dixie? You said Pope. Few. No, oh, he said few. Oh, you just said few? Yeah. Oh, I heard Pope. That's why I said what. I'm like, oh, what? Oh, I, yeah, I didn't know what you were talking Sorry. about. <laughs> Let's no. straighten that out. Good. No. Kansas third. Future Big 12. We're going to start watching the Big 12. I've always watched them, though. UCLA four. Yeah, they returned virtually everybody from Pac-12 their phenomenal big run. And then it gets out. Well, Baylor's seven. So that's another. Baylor uh, lost four guys. Another Big 12 team in there. But I have to go and get a program, see who's transferred where. Oh, my gosh. They're everywhere. They get into that in these. Yeah. That all these and and you got to think, as much as we were throwing curveballs by football, we we're really going to be throwing by basketball. I can't remember them all. No chance. Because basketball, has that's always been an issue. Right. But it's accelerated. Right. It's, new, it's new to football. Right. But basketball, this is, I mean, this is one team after another. Get old, stay old, and everybody's... everybody's yeah, the great thing with Gonzaga, I didn't have to look and say, okay, who do they got sitting over there? Because now everybody's eligible. But Gonzaga always had guys... Sitting, yeah. Yeah, okay, they're just, they transfer, and so now we'll see uh, next year, well, now they can all be eligible immediately, and Gonzaga's got Timmy, they're looking at him as a potential player of the year, this Holmgren kid, and I think that's his name, right? The big Chet dude. Holmgren. Yeah, the big dude, I think out of Minnesota? Seven-footer out of Minnesota. Yeah, and they're already talking about him as a potential number one pick, and Gonzaga's done a masterful job. It used to be they would uh, develop the big guys, but now they've also moved in the backcourt, too. BYU at 35. That's good enough. And they've got uh, Utah at 99. And they got Utah State at 106. Well, Utah State there is in Salt Lake, aren't they? They have a lot of guys, uh, and then a couple guys transferred down with Craig T. Smith. Yes, they did. Some Aggies becoming Utes. Weber State's 149, second in the big sky. So, all right, DJ and PK coming up next. Your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ PK, it is time for your feedback. Would it be great if Oregon and BYU could play this season to determine which team is the best in the West? Tim says, how about a rematch with this new Utah team to see which team is the best in the state first? Uh, you already had your shot. Come on. Eric, new? What's new about him? It's not anybody's fault but wits that they started the wrong quarterback and didn't get along. BYU's hurt now and have had twice the difficulty schedule as the Utes. Twice? Twice. How's that? I'd They've been to... beating a bunch of Pac-12 teams. That's the youth schedule. It's literally the youth schedule. Boise State's 4-4. Four and four. I'll give you Baylor. Was, Baylor's tough. Yeah. That's the difference right there. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Oregon and BYU could play? This season, and Vic Saunders with the Utah State logo says, Fredno, Fredno State would want to get in on that discussion. No. PK, you want to remind anybody what happened week one of the college football season? Well, Oregon beat Fresno. There it is. 
So, Aggie mm-hmm. fan Dan, or half of the Mountain West. Seriously, Boise's probably the fourth best team in our conference, and they beat BYU. And then Eric's... Okay, who's the best team? Why do Aggie fans always chime in like they're relevant to any discussion? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jeez, it's harsh. Uh, the best team right now, Fresno State, leads the division. So Fresno State lost to Oregon. There we go. Fresno just beat San Diego. Did they already beat Nevada? Well, that's your division, not our division. Then it'd be Utah State. And BYU, BYU beat, beat Utah, Utah State. State. That's where I was going. Boom! <laughs> BYU beat Utah State, and Oregon beat Fresno State, and those are the division leaders. Fresno's a half game up on Nevada and San Diego right now. I think that, to me, the two best teams in the West are BYU and it's, Oregon. It's not just you. If you look at the polls, Oregon 7, BYU 17, Fresno's 25. Those are the only three teams in the Pacific and Mountain time zones that are ranked right now. Everybody else is in the Central or East. And I would like to see BYU and Oregon play. It would be a great It'd be, game. It would be a great game. And it would be one of the biggest games of the week. This week, there's only one game matching ranked teams. I think the most honorable thing for Utah to do is to decline the opportunity to play Oregon in the Pac-12 title game and allow BYU to go. Busting that out at 9.56. (laughs) That would have been useful earlier in the show. I think that's the most honorable thing to do. Why should Utah play Oregon twice if BYU doesn't even get to play them once? Is that what you're saying? Making my point. Of course, we don't know. It could be Utah-Oregon State rematch. That could still happen, although we're not anticipating it. I don't want that. It could happen. It could happen. It could happen. Yes, it could. But I I prefer Oregon. Especially if the Utes, I guess it doesn't matter, even if the Utes don't win. Uh, because I think this year, as crazy as it's been for Utah since it's had non-conference, was literally their worst non-conference record ever since they've been in the conference. Yet I think this is their best chance to go to the Rose Bowl that they've ever had. And they've had two, I guess they've had more if you want to consider contention deep in November. But the two times they won it, I think if they win it this year, which I do think they will, will be the best chance to get that W and qualify automatically for the granddaddy. Coming up next, Jake and Ben loitering right outside the door, ready to entertain you on the other side of this break. Stay with us.